Sony. Hello Canada, Tony here in Saskatchewan. Today's date is April 1st, 2021, April Fool's Day. And while there wasn't a lot of April Fool's gags going on this year, like last year, because people aren't really in the joking mood, there was at least some good ones out there today, and I will cover one right away. What I want to talk about today is Western alienation. Now, Western alienation is real, and it actually is older than Canada itself, and I will explain some of the historical backgrounds of it as well. Unfortunately, Western alienation to Justin Trudeau and the Laurentian Triangle elites in Eastern Canada, Western alienation is a punchline. It's one of those things you can talk about, pat those little Westerners on the head and forget about. It's not something you actually address. It's just something you pay lip service to. That is Western alienation. Example, in the election of 2019, when the Liberal Party of Canada was completely shut out of Alberta and Saskatchewan, and much of rural Canada for that matter, but Justin Trudeau addressed Alberta and Saskatchewan specifically in his victory speech, said, Alberta and Saskatchewan, we understand your frustration and we want to reach out to you so you feel like more part of the Canadian family. I'm paraphrasing. But that was it. That was that was his olive branch. That was his answer to Western alienation. We love you. Come here and give us a hug. I don't think there are a lot of people from Western Canada who are really interested in giving Justin Trudeau a hug. But that basically was all he had to offer. And... It's not enough. It has never been enough. It never will be enough. But the only solution that liberal governments, and for that matter, even conservative governments nationally, have ever offered. They've never offered more than just lip service. Now, to be fair, Brian Mulroney and Stephen Harper have did make overtures to certain sectors of Western Canada, Western Canadian society, to attempt to broaden the tent, as it were. But again, still just token measures because they always had to placate their their voters in the East. So what exactly is Western alienation? Let's go back into the 1850s. So before Canada was even a country, because, of course, Confederation was 1867. But while negotiations were going on to bring in, bring together, I should say, what was then British North America into a country called Canada, there were negotiations that went on in what was the Northwest Territories and Rupert's Land, which is much of what is Western Canada today, 
the separate colonies of British Columbia and Vancouver Island. And part of these negotiations were obviously to try to turn these territories into into provinces of Canada. Now, Louis Riel was able to start the province of Manitoba in 1870, and there was an attempt to make a very big province called Buffalo to carve out of the Northwest Territories to join Canada. And the Prime Minister at the time, Wilfrid Laurier, realized what a horrible idea that would be because big provinces are a pain, as in Ontario and Quebec, and they did not want to have a large province in Western Canada that would also be difficult to deal with and would have any kind of political clout. So they, at the time, decided that they would not create one large province of Buffalo and instead would carve out these smaller provinces, namely Alberta and Saskatchewan, and then grew the province of Manitoba, eventually to what it currently looks like now. Much of Rupert's land just became northern Ontario, northwestern Ontario, and we have the Canada we have now. And, of course, it was all about political clout, as I just said, because they did not want Western Canada to have a, a powerful influence on Canadian affairs. Bearing in mind when Canada was first confederated in 1867, it was the provinces of Ontario and Quebec and New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. And they wanted to keep it the power center in Ontario and Quebec. And they succeeded. They've done very well. So Western alienation is has grown as Western Canada's prosperity has grown because... Western Canada has strong economies and people with a strong work ethic who really have no voice in the government in Ottawa. So let's look at our Constitution because our Constitution help, helps make up the contents of the Supreme Court of Canada. Now, you heard me talk about the Supreme Court of Canada in our last full episode with a 6-3 to three majority decision to uphold the federal government's right to implement a carbon tax, regulatory pricing mechanism. I guess I need to get the language right. Now, by our Constitution, judges on the Supreme Court of Canada must be comprised as follows. Three judges to be selected from Ontario. Three judges to be selected from Quebec two judges to be selected from the West, and one judge to be selected from Atlantic Canada. It's a shame that it's rather vague, you know, as far as the West is concerned. Currently, the West is represented by two judges from Alberta, and Atlantic Canada is represented by one judge I want to say from Nova Scotia, I cannot remember now which province that the gentleman is from. But, at any rate, two-thirds of the judges on the Supreme Court of Canada are from Ontario and Quebec. Let's just look at population, if, if, if that's what, what they want to go by. 
population of Western Canada, that being British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, is about 12.7 million people right now. Population of Quebec, I'm sorry, 12.2 million for the Western Canada. Population of Quebec, about 8.5 million. So being almost 50% more populous than Quebec, already one would think it was a little unfair that Quebec would have more justices on the Supreme Court than the West, yet it is so. Western Canada punches above its weight economically in Canada, but below its weight legally. And the government of Canada, that being the Laurentian elites, love to have it that way. Don't believe me? Well, let's just look at some of the legislation that the Trudeau government has passed just in the last five years. Bill C-69, the No More Pipelines Act. Well, that disproportionately hurt Western Canada, specifically Alberta and the energy sector. And notice how when Eastern media talks about Western alienation, they always poke fun at Alberta because Alberta has been the most prosperous province for decades. So they certainly like to, quote, put Alberta in their place. So we go on to the Bill C-48, the tanker ban, which only bans oil tankers carrying Canadian oil off the western coast of British Columbia, and the northern coast of British Columbia, I should say, on the west coast of Canada. Then we look at the cancellation of the Northern Gateway Pipeline, which would have supplied oil to those tankers that would have been on the northern coast of British Columbia. And we look at the Trudeau government's continual changing of the goalposts on the Energy East Pipeline until TransCanada finally just said enough and walked away. And let's look at the United States' decision on Keystone XL, one which the Trudeau government was more than happy to say, oh, no, move on, move on, we have to move on. I know it was just announced now, but we have to move on. We are not going to going to argue with this decision. No, of course not, because it did not affect Eastern Canada. Oh, Tony, you're being too tough on, on Mr. Trudeau here. Mr. Trudeau loves the energy industry. That's why they bought the Trans Mountain Expansion Pipeline. It is. Or... Did they buy it because Kinder Morgan was walking away looking for a buyer because the Trudeau government's regulatory regime had become too strict and the government realized it was going to be very bad optics if they had to shut the pipeline down outright. So let's just buy it and then not build it because that's what's happened already. Well, come on, Tony, you know that Justin Trudeau hates oil and he hates all oil. He does because... Right now, line five for Enbridge is currently under the hood for review, as it were, because Gretchen Whitmer from the state of Michigan wants to shut that down. Suddenly now, because line five supplies the vast majority of oil for southern Ontario and a lot of oil for Quebec, whoa, we need to stop this. We need we need an injunction. We need to fight this because line five supplies 
all of the oil for every drop of aviation fuel at Toronto's Pearson Airport. Now, suddenly, Mr. Trudeau likes oil. We need Line 5. We can't let Line 5 get shut down. Hmm. Hypocrisy much? Of course, because it doesn't hurt Ontario and Quebec if Keystone XL gets shut down. It doesn't hurt Ontario and Quebec if Northern Gateway gets shut down. It doesn't hurt Ontario and Quebec if the Coastal Gas Link pipeline never gets built. Okay, Tony, that's the energy industry. You know Justin Trudeau hates the energy industry, so just get off your high horse already. Okay, fine. You know what? You're absolutely right. We know Justin Trudeau hates the West, but if you want some more proof, let's go to a very, very current and modern example. As if these pipelines weren't current and modern enough. Let's look at the, the, the COVID vaccines. So we have actually several production facilities in Canada that could have made COVID-19 vaccines. And of course, Justin Trudeau chose to go with CanSino, and that deal fell through quickly. And three months later decided, well, maybe we better negotiate with Pfizer and other companies outside of Canada. Even though there was a company called Nuvax, which was in Montreal even, and waving their hand in the air to say, we can help, but Justin Trudeau ignored them. However, when Mr. Trudeau decided that it would be good optics to start to look into investing in some Canadian companies, let's just look at where he went. All right, so the biggest amount of money so far invested in Canadian vaccine manufacturing has gone to a French company that just happens to have a production facility in Toronto, Ontario, the center of the universe. 415 million of your tax dollars, Canada, are going to Sanofi's facility in Toronto. Let's just go east to Quebec, to Quebec City, Medicago. 173 million of your tax dollars are going to, to, to fund Medicago to upgrade their production facility and expand to get them ready to make vaccines for the next pandemic because they are way too late for this one. The National Research Council in Montreal, coincidentally right next door to Nuvax, who was ignored, but the National Research Council, a branch of the government, gets $126 million of your taxpayer dollars to expand their facilities to produce what will actually be the Novavax vaccine, which is an, an American company that will produce Novavax here in Canada at NRC. Well, that's an awful lot of money that's that's been invested already. That's $614 million right there with just these, these three facilities. Notice that they are all in eastern Canada. Two of the three are in the Laurentian Triangle, being in Toronto and in Montreal. But come on, Tony, be fair. I mean, all, the, the, the Trudeau government naturally would have put some money into Western Canadian f facilities as well. They did. Well, they yep, they did. Let's be fair. Providence Therapeutics in the, with the facility in Calgary, waving their hands in the air saying, we can help. No, no, zero dollars for you. Precision Laboratories in Vancouver, how about $25.1 million to help you guys out? Would that, that, that help? Sure it would. Precision in Vancouver, that's Western Canada, $25 million. 
Vito Winterback, and right here in Saskatoon at the University of Saskatchewan, was given $14 million by the federal government. Anyone else? Anyone? Anyone? No, not in Western Canada. So, Eastern Canada, $614 million to for vaccine research and production and expansion of facilities. Western Canada, $39 million. Okay, Tony, be fair. The, the province of Manitoba did sign a $50 million contract with Providence for, for vaccines. Absolutely they did. Provincial government money, not federal government money, so therefore the taxpayer kind of paying twice. And let's be fair again, the Saskatchewan government put an additional $14 million into Vito Intervac. Again, provincial money, not money that comes from the federal government, because God forbid they would send anything out west that they didn't want to. So, again, our Eastern Canadian government really couldn't care less about Western Canada. The token few dollars they throw this way, the little pat on the head to say, oh, you Westerners, you keep doing that good work out there. We appreciate you. Not, you know, as much as we appreciate Ontario and Quebec, but you do you out there and we'll pat you on the head and tussle your hair every once in a while and tell you what a good job you're doing. Now, I mentioned there was a really good April Fool's story this morning. The Western Standard News Organization had published a spoof story saying that Alberta Premier Jason Kenney was going to hold a referendum on, on should Alberta be kicked out of Canada. And this story, which was a spoof, which was an April Fool's joke, was kind of the Western Canadian equivalent of going viral. It was the one of the most shared stories that the Western Standard has ever published. And it was liked and shared all over Facebook and sent all over the internet. And the Western Standard had to say, um, this wasn't real. This was actually an April Fool's story. But there was just that many people in Western Canada who said, what a great idea that would be. And honestly, when you live out here in Western Canada and you see exactly how much the elites in the Laurentian Triangle hate you, it becomes quite easy to understand why exactly a story like that would go viral even after the publisher admits it was an April Fool's joke. Because... I think when you live in Western Canada, you really understand what Western alienation is. You understand that with 104 seats in the House of Commons, that Ontario, with 121 seats, will always outvote you. That Quebec, with 78 seats, combined with the 121 seats that Ontario has, is, can elect a majority government by themselves. So you know your vote means nothing. You know you don't have a, a say on the Supreme Court of Canada. You know that the Senate is rigged against you because there is an over-representation of senators from Eastern Canada 
as compared to Western Canada as well. And I think you finally understand as Western Canadians that the deck is constantly stacked against you. And I know that when Lewis said this on the show two years ago, that, or I guess it was a year ago, that Canada as we know it will not exist in five years. And people suggest that he was some kind of crank conspiracy theorist. And then you start to look and think, well, other things he has said that made people call him a conspiracy theorist have been coming true. Maybe you wonder if it isn't time that people in Western Canada are finally starting to wake up to the reality and realize that Western alienation is not a punchline. Western alienation is real, and it is becoming a larger and larger concern and moving further and further to the front of mind of Western Canadians. And Eastern politicians will ignore it at their peril.